cash, every movie costs $2,184. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Backtracks Theme Music. My name is Corey Mercer, joined as always by the Evervescent John Mariano. How you doing, John? I'm doing terrific, Corey. I'm coming off of my second vacation this summer. Yeah, I'm a little jealous. Two vacations, and you made the most out of both of them. Where'd you go this time? So, so I went to a little place I like to go in the Catskill Mountains called Pine Lake Manor. My family have, have been going to it since I was a baby and you know i bring my girls there and we love it and it is very rustic it's like it's very similar to the resort you see in dirty dancing you know we we will play cornhole we'll play shuffleboard we'll play bocce we'll do karaoke we'll play bingo and these are the things we do for fun it's very big on community um you spend the week catching up with people you see once a year and the same hundred or so people go the same week every year so um, I absolutely love the place. It's very simple. Um, they, they, they ring a dinner. They ring, you would call it a supper bell, but they ring a dinner bell, but they ring it for all three meals when it's time to eat. And you go eat in this big communal room where, where a family who owns the place cooks each meal for all 100 people. And you eat what they got, right? It's like good old school you know, and, you know, they've progressed a little bit. They offer vegan option now. They offer, um, you, you know, healthier options for, for people trying to, trying to cut things out of their diet. They'll throw a salad on the table all of a sudden, so it's not just meat, meat and potatoes. But it's very, very, very basic, and I, I, I love and adore it. That is, that is something. You could almost say this year, John, you had one crazy summer. Oh, I think we could definitely say that. And I thought there was nothing more appropriate today, even though you haven't seen this film in 30 years. <laughs> um, but I think it sums up where we're at at the, you know, at the end of August, I, I was tempted to do something related because I'm in fantasy football hell right now with all my drafts. I don't know where you're at with that, but like I, I, I did my one draft. I'm only in one league. Yeah, no, I'm in one. I, I I take my my one league very seriously. I I I had cut it back, and I haven't been doing very well on my, my one league. And my attitude was, maybe I'll change my philosophy by joining multiple leagues. So I have steeped into watching these videos of these pros draft this year, and I've learned that every type of league has nuances to a draft, and instead of focusing on aim for the guy in this round i've now focused on tiers of positions and i want to get guys in certain tiers and if that tier is not available right or if if one tier is running out i'll grab a guy or if there's if there is a tier that's more limited i'll grab a guy and that's how i'm targeting most players this year in drafts i think that's a smart way to do it i, I do something similar uh yeah i never liked the I want this guy in this round type. Uh, uh, drafts are very organic, and you kind of have to see how, how they go, right? And if there's a run on somebody in a position or a tier, how you do it, uh, you know, you, you got to maybe alter your strategy a little bit. But I'm, I'm sitting here wondering, why haven't we started like a podcast or fantasy football league? Because uh, first, I want to be in a league with you. And second, I think the two of us can maybe kick the shit out of some of these pasty-faced music boys, you know, like, like Haskin and Kevin Brown and, and those guys who don't even watch uh, sports ball. We could probably kick their ass. 
Yeah, but that's not fair. Like, you, you, you know, especially when you get to people like from other countries like Canada where they focus on hockey or or, 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 or countries where they call football soccer or so, they call soccer football. Like, we, we don't, we don't, we don't need to mess with that. We just have good old fashioned American football, the gridiron, the game. You know, go listen to Carlin talk about it. He talks about it very poetically. Um, I love this game. I don't think we've done draft date on this show yet, John. We could maybe uh, bust out that uh, nugget at some point during football season. But we're talking about the summer. We're talking about one crazy summer. Uh, 1986 uh, comedy film written and directed by Savage Steve Holland. I just remembered something. We were having a, I'm not going to interrupt you again, Corey. I swear to God. Okay. You and I were having a conversation before the show, and this is going to be a tease for later so you can get back to your intro. But I remember when this song is played in the movie. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> you know, you could have just, you know, at a more organic time, uh, busted out with that instead of interrupting me during my very professional intro. You, you, you do listen to the show once in a while, don't you, Corey? I try not to, actually, but yeah. Right, I, but, 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 but organic is not what I do. I guess not, no. Okay, so where was I? I was talking about Savage Steve Holland, uh, an animator. Uh, he's made a few films in his career, but he is probably most famously known as the guy who uh, designed and animated the Whammy from the uh, Pressure Luck uh, game show uh, from the 80s that I think everybody is is pretty familiar with. Uh, I found out that little uh, tidbit today and was pretty impressed by that. I, I always remember Sta Savage Steve Holland because that's how he's listed in the credits. I never heard a director build himself as Savage you know, in quotation marks before his name before, like Savage Steve Spielberg or, or something like that. So um, like you said, I haven't seen this movie. I'm probably going on almost 40 years, actually, at this point. It came out in 86. Uh, so maybe, uh, John, uh, tell the folks a little bit about One Crazy Summer. So One Crazy Summer is Savage Steve Holland's follow-up to Better Off Dead, also starring John Cusack and Curtis Armstrong in, in different roles, but very similar vibe of the movie you know the main character in this one hoops is is a cartoonist um and one that's not very um secure in himself and he goes away for the summer with his buddies and meets demi moore's character um I, i'm gonna i'm gonna not have all the names i, I apologize ahead of time but he meets demi moore's character and she is this awesome rock and roller who is trying to desperately to save the money for her grandfather's, I don't know if it's like a foster house or something, but, but, but a lot of elderly, it's like, an, it's like an old care home. And, and the Beckersteads, um, or Peckersteads, as they're also known in the movie, um, are trying to buy out the land for the, the future Beckerstead estates. And it's really bully versus um, underdog kind of story, very classic story. And Ho Hoops and his friends get bullied by, by, by the Beckersteads throughout the movie. And there's always a, like the MacGuffins in these movies are always some kind of event. Like if you take like back to school, it's, it, it's, it's the diving meet. If you take Karate Kid, it, it, it's the karate tournament. And, and and here we have the regatta, yeah, you know, or the boat race, and it is both a sailing and mo motorboat race that we're building to towards towards the end. And there are 
are all of these great Easter eggs throughout the movie that show you gags, seemingly sight gags or something, that build towards this race at the end. And to me, it's an underrated screenplay. Because we talk about these perfect movies, and perfect movies are always about planting seeds. And this movie does it as well as any other movie. And I would put the screenplay in a, in a screenplay teaching class up against many other screenplays. You could argue dialogue. You could argue content. You could argue all of the stuff. The way this screenplay builds towards that regatta is textbook screenplay writing. You know, there, there, there are parts with, and we'll get into it later about the motorboat. There is a movie being shot that seems like it's completely irrelevant to everything with a dolphin with rabies, which is a Jaws parody. And I think it's dolphin with rabies too, or something. It's like some ridiculous thing. And, and all of these things build towards the climax of the film in some of the best ways possible. Thank you. It's a pretty impressive cast. Uh, for 1986, you have John Cusack as Hoops, uh, Demi Moore as Cassandra, the uh, the rock star. Uh, you have uh, Curtis Armstrong, who uh, famously played Booger in the Revenge of the Nerds films. He plays Akak. I, I love some of these names. Bobcat Goldthwait as Egg. Uh, you have uh, the Calamaris. Uh, there's actually a family named Calamari. William Hickey is Old Man uh, Beckerstead. Uh, Joe Flaherty from SETV is in this thing. Mark Metcalf, uh, famously from uh, Animal House, plays uh, Aguila Beckerstead. Um, there's a Teddy Beckerstead. There's a Cookie Campbell. Uh, Jeremy Piven's in this thing. Uh, pretty impressive uh, cast for 1986. Yeah, and, and, and uh, what's his name? William, who said, I had it in my head, and then it, it came and left. William uh, uh, Hickey. Hickey. William Hickey, for people who don't know, everyone here, I'm sure, watches Christmas Vacation once a year. And he very famously yells at the dinner table, the blessing, the blessing, Grace. They want you to say the blessing. <laughs> Sorry about that. I get a little cough in my voice when I try to do that voice. No, that's okay. That, that that's a, a William Hickey impression is tough to do. Uh, you did uh, very well, my friend. Let's talk a little bit about the soundtrack, and uh, specifically about the song we're going to be doing tonight, uh, "Born to Be Wild." By Steppenwolf. John, uh, I heard a rumor that you maybe have figured out where in the movie this song was played. I don't know where you heard that rumor, Corey, but I, I, I think if you rewind and listen to the top of the show, people might find out. Oh, okay. So, like I said, this is about bullying and the youngest Beckerstead, or Peckerstead as they are, um, is picking on Hoops and his friends. Piven's there egging him on. And he challenged, or Demi Moore is like, well, Hoops is like a great basketball player. Because Hoops tells her on the beach he's a great basketball player. So he's not, but the, the joke is we get to see him constantly missing shots because he lacks confidence. So he wants to be a great basketball star, but he's not. So he's throwing away his garbage, crumpled up cartoons and missing the garbage pile. And he's just garbage at basketball. So they do a little mock basketball contest. They take one of the friends, um, Curtis Armstrong, and have him make a hoop with his hands and hang him up on a, on a rack. And they take shots at Curtis Armstrong's arms, and the bully hits three in a row, and Hoops misses all three shots. And Demi Moore, a little bit in shock, but now has to get her friends out of it because now he's like, Becker said, like, well, I'm going to beat the crap out of this guy now pointing to Hoops. 
And she goes, well, you can't beat up my friend. And he's like, why? Who's going to stop me? And um, I forgot what word she says, but he's like, well, what's that? And it's the company that makes mace, and she maces them all. And on mace, Born to Rewild, I believe, kicks in and they run away and escape the bullies. So Born to Be Wild, a very famous song uh, from this film. I was looking at the uh, soundtrack listing. Man, what a great soundtrack. We have Easy Street by David Lee Roth, uh, which is from the Crazy from the Heat EP. Uh, Be Cruel to Your uh, School, covered by uh, Twisted Sister. Dirty Dog from uh, ZZ Top from the Eliminator album. You got some uh, Beach Boys tracks, Do It Again, Uh, Fun, 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 In My Room, Uh, Wouldn't It Be Nice, Down on the Corner by CCR is on here, Uh, Wipeout. Uh, Dancing in the Street, Martha and the Vandells, What It Takes by Honeymoon Suite. I almost would have picked that one because I want to talk a little little Honeymoon Suite on this show at some point. But we're going with uh, one of the more famous tracks uh, from this film, one of the more famous tracks, I think, in rock history, uh, Born to be Wild, released May 1968 uh, by the Canadian-slash-American group uh, Steppenwolf. Uh, this was written uh, by a dude named Mars Bonfire. A uh, very famous uh, writer. I'm sure you're you're quite familiar with Mars Bonfire. Uh, he was in a band uh, with some members of Steppenwolf called the Sparrows. I tell you, Steppenwolf, uh, I was looking at their band history. It's very uh, Spinal Tap-esque. First, there were the Sparrows, and then there were Steppenwolf, and then they broke up, and then they got back together, and then they became new Steppenwolf, and then they became John Kay and Steppenwolf. And they finally broke up for the last time so far in 2018. But uh, quite a convoluted Spinal Tap-esque history. But uh, everybody knows this song, right? Usually associated with Easy Rider. Here we are. We're going to play it uh, about a movie about an illustrator and a regatta gala and uh, a guy named Akak. Yeah, and 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 and, and a chemical ca- company called Dow. While you while you were doing your spiel, I remember I remember. It was da- da- Dow, the, the chemical company that makes me. That's the line. Perfect. Perfect. All right. What do you say, Johnny? Let's get into it and play a little uh, Born to be Wild by Steppenwolf. I think it's one of the most famous guitar riffs in music history. But I didn't want you to stop it there because of the guitar riff, because I think we can talk about the guitar riff forever. I think it's one of the most underrated bass lines in music history. He does a little uh, move uh, right, right right before the drum roll. Do, 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 that, yeah, really, really set, set, sets the bass apart, I think. It's it, it, just a nice little bass moment that I thought was really kind of cool. Right. I didn't mean to stop you so short into the song, but it really, if everybody wants to just rewind to what we just listened to, and listen back to that bass line it is so underrated yeah it's really cool and it's right before the little uh little drum roll that leads into the first line get your motor running did you know john that mars bonfire originally wrote born to be wild as a ballad no i had no idea i couldn't picture it <laughs> paced like that no uh, this song has been described as a roaring anthem of turbocharged riff rock and he originally wrote it as a ballad. It, it kind of reminds me of that scene from That Thing You Do when they're playing That Thing You Do as a ballad until uh, Shades, just for no reason, starts playing it super fast, and then the band has to try and keep up. Yeah, but, but, but you know, if this was really the drummer, like, going, you know what, you're wrong, more power to him, because, because mm-hmm. like, <laughs> this is what one of the greatest rock anthems of all time. Yep, 
looking for adventure in whatever comes our way. Yeah, I gotta go make it happen. Take the world in a loving place. Fire all of the guns and explode into space. I, I love that that late 60s production like it just sounds like it's a mama's and the papa song or a crosby stills and nash song just a little harder edge to it uh it really really fits in in 1968 doesn't it i wasn't born then were you were you around in 68 no no i was not you're older than me <laughs> i forgot about that <laughs> but yeah, i'm so used no, to I... doing podcasts with guys who are older than me now and i forgot you're younger yeah I'm, I'm, I, I like to remind you every chance i get Oh, yeah, but, but but I do feel like this was one of the first hard rock songs that I was ever introduced to. Um, and one of I the think, it, and to the to your point, John, just real quick, uh, we got a line coming up: uh, "Heavy Metal Thunder," probably the first ever mention of the term heavy metal, kind of coined a oh, oh. coined a phrase. Oh, and 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 yeah, this is probably where I start to get my edge in music from is connecting to a song like this. And it was amazing that this was part of the mainstream lexicon. And, and, and when you think about it and the music being played around it at the time, there weren't a lot of songs like this. Very true. Very true. I like smoking lightning. Every metal thunder. Racing with the wind. And the feeling that I'm okay now that you pointed it out john i was listening through that whole uh whole section and the yeah the bass was was fantastic in there i never noticed that before yeah, it's so covered by, by all the other instruments doing what they do, but it holds, it's the glue that holds it all together in, in some of the best ways. I also think that there's a lot of similarities between this song and the movie we're talking about. Because the movie is essentially a Frankie Avalon and a Funicello beach blanket sort of movie of the 60s. It has that sort of vibe. It has some of the weirdness that you expect in a Savage Steve Holland movie that gives it this, this 80s edge that, you know, is like the rock aspect to, to, to a beach blanket bingo kind of movie. And it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's like the, that style of movie through the rock lens. Oh, very good observation. Now we're coming up uh, to one of the best choruses, I think, in, in rock history. I don't know if uh, Steppenwolf gets enough credit as a band. Like, as musicians, they're pretty fucking good. Like, the drummer is is right on the money. And John McKay, as, as a vocalist, I, I think sounds fantastic. John, John McKay in this song does... Sorry, John K. John K. Oh, John... Sorry, I screwed that up. Well, that's okay, because I doubled down on it. But, <laughs> but, but, but John, John K. in this song 
does some of the greatest rock vocals of all time, right? And you could put him up against all the legends. And like, I know people will say the range of Freddie Mercury or the range of Robert Plant and yada, yada, yada. The grit and soul in his voice in this song is what you picture a prototypical um, hard rock artist to sound like. And, and to me, it's part of the template of what you try to emulate when you go out on that stage. Now, on uh, Pot of Thunder, which is another great, uh, fantastic uh, music podcast out there, everybody should check out. Um, they were talking about best Canadian bands, and one of the uh, hosts of the show, uh, he said, you know, name your favorite Canadian artist. And he said one of them was Steppenwolf, uh, because like three-fifths of Steppenwolf are Canadian. And and the other hosts were like giving him shit, like, oh, come on, can you name two other Steppenwolf songs other than Born to be Wild? So I'm going to ask you, John, can you name two other songs by Steppenwolf? One is pretty famous. No, I know one's pretty famous, and it's not coming to me right now. But one's like movie, like been on movie soundtracks, famous. Um, yeah, well, there's a uh, Magic Carpet Ride, right? And the other uh, another song uh, that did quite well from a song called uh, "Rock Me" hit the top ten way back in the day. Okay, well, I wouldn't be familiar with "Rock Me," but I'm certainly familiar with Magic Carpet Ride. Um. And, and my 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 whole thing is I might not know the names of the songs, but my my, my mother owns a Steppenwolf album, or maybe my father. I've never been clear on who whose is whose records because they've all blended together. But there, there is definitely a Steppenwolf album that I've listened to in its entirety, um, because my parents have owned it my entire life. Really. Yeah. I'm assuming it's probably from 68, 69, because those were kind of the big albums. that uh, They started declining, I think, shortly it's, after that. It's definitely the album with this song on it. Okay, so that would be uh, 1968 then. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like it's, definitely, it's definitely that album, because I know it's this song is on the album. So you still look yeah, forward to hearing this song in particular. Uh, Born to be Wild was their third single off their 1968 debut album, uh, Steppenwolf. Uh, only reached number two on the charts. It was kept off uh, the number one spot by the song "People Got to Be Free" by the Rascals. Okay, well, I, then, I I feel like, and no offense to the Rascals, but in in the pop, popular vote, Steppenwolf's lasted the te- test of time even more so than the number one hit. Uh, great point. Actually, I was just uh, revisiting a, a podcast from a, a guy that we uh, both uh, admire, uh, Dan Merle. Uh, you're familiar with Dan Merle? I am and very I was listen- familiar with Dan. I was listening to Dan talk about the movie The Social Network and about how it got kept out of like the big Academy Award wins by the movie The King's Speech. And there's a movie that, you know, what, 10 years past, uh, 13 years past, nobody remembers The King's Speech. It's just kind of, eh, you know, it's there. But The Social Network endures as one of the great movies uh, of the 2000s. And like you said, people got to be free. It's fine. Like the Rascals were good and all, but... Born to be Wild is an all-time rock classic. So it's it's like uh, Saving Private Ryan and Shakespeare in Love, right? Shakespeare in Love, nobody gives a shit. Saving Private Ryan, one of the greatest war, greatest war movies of all time. So so you know why I'm familiar with the King's Speech? You know how I get there in my in why my in my head. I Colin Firth was in the King's Speech, mm-hmm. and he's very famously like started it and worked on the stutter or whatever, right? And I became a Colin Firth fan, fan in the Kingsman. And I always really, Oh, that's the guy from the King's speech. I've never seen the King's speech 
but no Colin Firth <laughs> as the guy from the King's Speech because I love Kingsman so much. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> So, so we'd call that, I guess, the instrumental. It wasn't so much a guitar solo. And, you know, as much as the guitar riffs are there in this song, I think that that section there highlights the importance of the bass and the drums to the song. Mm -hmm. Especially right? when you got a, a very... Uh, that whole uh, keyboard uh, section reminded me kind of Ray Manzarek from The Doors. It definitely had that Doors kind of feel to it, but it, it was that chugging bass that kind of provides the, the railroad track for that that uh, keyboard solo to kind of lay on top of in the drums again. Uh, nice and solid, like fantastic rhythm section in Steppenwolf. Holy cow. Yeah, yeah. It's a very underrated band, and it's probably one that if they were still touring today, one I, I would have very high on my list to go see. Well, uh, for a band that started in 1968, like I said, there was a lot of starts and stops, but, you know, they broke up for the first time in 72, 73, reunited in 74, went to 76, broke up again, uh, became New Steppenwolf from 76 to 80, uh, then became uh, John Kay and Steppenwolf from 1980 to 2018. And uh, the last notation here is on November 22nd, 2019, John Kay announced that the band's October 2018 show was their last. So as far as we know, they're done. Now, I, I want to call out the original lineup here uh, because uh, at Opata Thunder had a lot of fun with the drummer's name, but John McKay, lead vocals, uh, Michael Monarch, lead guitar, uh, Rushton Morive is the bass guitar player, uh, Goldie McJohn on keyboards, and Jerry Edmonton uh, on the drums. Edmonton is a, uh, a city uh, in Alberta. So uh, Jerry Edmonton, just kind of a goofy name. That can't mm -hmm. be his real name. Why can't it be his real name? Come on, Jerry Edmonton. If, if I was Johnny New York, you wouldn't believe me? No, I wouldn't. And actually, I just looked it up. Jerry Michael Edmonton was born Gerald McCrohan. Oh, I would change it to Edmonton, too. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if Michael Monarch is his real name, either. Oh, it actually is. No, Michael Monarch was, was, was right. How about Goldie McJohn? Is that his real name? Nobody wants to go by McJohn. So it must be his nope. real name. His real name was John Raymond Goadsby. I'd rather be called Goadsby than McJohn. Yeah, I agree with you there. <laughs> I'm going to start calling you McJohn on the show, though, because you remind me of McDonald's and your name is John. Oh, God, now I want French fries. Me too. Let's, let's get the song over and go get some fries. And whatever comes our way Yeah, I'm not going to make it happen Take the world in a loving way Fire all of your guns at once and explode into space And let the true nature shine We were born, born to be wise We can climb so high 
I was doing a little uh, reading on the movie here, John, and apparently Savage Steve Holland and uh, John Cusack did not get along at all. Hated each other. Yeah, um, I think a lot of that's in part to, I think Cusack thought Better Off Dead was going to be a much different movie, and he was already signed on to do this one. Hmm. Um, and, you know, he, he, he's been very deliberate in where he wanted his career to go. And, you know, he's since then not necessarily embraced these movies, but kind of forgiven the fact that he's worked on them and accepted that it's part of his career, even though he sees himself and we know him to be a much different actor than these movies. Um, I still have such a, such a soft spot for these two movies, Better Off Dead and One Crazy Summer. And and all the work he does after this, because he, go, he goes from these two movies to what I would argue is possibly his greatest movie, which we will cover because there's a particular song in that movie. And we talk, if we're talking about songs and scenes, uh, is there anything more iconic than holding a boom box over your head in the rain? Wait a minute. He held a boom box uh, over his head in the rain in uh, 16 Candles? Well, starring role. Oh, The Journey of Natty Gann? Was that like a made-for-TV movie? Yeah, it was. But it came right after Better Off Dead. Stand By Me was next. Uh, and then uh, One Crazy Summer. Then Hot Pursuit. Broadcast News. He played the Angry Messenger. Tape Heads, Eight Men Out. Or you're probably referring to Say Anything. Yes, I'm referring to Say Anything. And I do love Eight Men Out. But I don't know that there is a song in Eight Men Out for us to cover Eight Men Out. Yeah, good point. Uh, I'm kind of hoping that uh, he kind of buries the hatchet with uh, with uh, Savage Steve Holland, who's still around. Uh, he's an animator. Uh, he's working on a, on a bunch of stuff right now for, like, the Cartoon Network. He does some stuff for Disney. Um, he did uh, a Fairly Odd uh, Christmas, Fairly Odd Summer, Fairly Odd Movie, uh, Malibu Rescue, uh, Mal Malibu Rescue, The Next Wave. Uh, so he's worked on a ton of stuff. He hasn't done live action, I don't think, though, since uh, a movie called How I Got Into College in 1989 so i'm actually familiar yeah, with that movie too yeah 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 you've never that was a made for movie? tv movie wasn't it no i haven't Corey, no, 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 was laura flynn boyles in it yeah yeah that was actually a released in movie theaters very uh very, very few people i think have ever seen that movie but i saw it because i'm a huge savage steve island band and dedicated one at that and if he's making a movie i'm watching it i believe that protagonist as well is also a cartoonist. Of course it is. Because he's a cartoonist. Yes. He didn't write that one, though. Apparently it was written by someone named uh, Terry uh, Seltzer, if that's their... Terrell Seltzer, if that's their real name. Yeah, and I think well, that's His real reason. name is Terrell Edmonton. That's why he changed it. Oh, that's that, that's fair. But, 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 but better than being McJohn. <laughs> Thank you. 
Well, Jerry Edmonton may not have much of a name, but he can sure play the drums. Unfortunately, he passed away in 1993. Uh, Goldie McJohn died in 2017. And Rushton Moray, uh, bass guitar player, died in 1981. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a sad ending to a an iconic band. And I'll call them like an iconic band. You could argue the one or two songs that you might know from them. But this one song is so widely used and so wildly popular. I think they qualify as iconic. I absolutely agree. And, and the movie is kind of a iconic in a way as well for being in those 1980 comedies. I think everybody grew up in the eighties remembers uh, the Savage Steve Holland movies, uh, Better Off Dead and One Crazy Summer. Uh, is there anything else about this film, John, that you wanted to mention? Yeah, I'm going to do one of these deep breaths and, and go through a couple of things really quick and have you pick one, Corey. So okay. this this movie is built upon gag after gag after gag. Um, eventually all the gags come into one and we get to see them in the regatta where a, a, a car is chainsawed up by Bobcat Goldthwait, um, one of the one of the Calamari brothers, um, which is funny because his, his brother's name is Squid, Squid Calamari, which is a very small mm-hmm. gag in the movie. But he, cha- he, he chainsaws up the Ferrari um, that has the CU later license plate, and they make that the engine of, of, of the motorboat. But besides that, um, the 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 um, is it Akak or whose little sister is it um, that is the uh, the dog that gets made fun of throughout the whole movie? That's the ugly dog. At one point early in the film, these two kids are making fun of uh, the dog, and they pull down their their um, their eyelids and do all this crazy stuff. And so the crossing guard warns them if. Somebody slaps you in the back when that happens. It'll stay like that permanently, and she does it, and they, they get stuck like that. It's like a Twilight Zone episode. Sets the tone for the movie. Um, there's another great gag where Bobcat Goldthwait is going through a trailer for the movie, and he's looking at all these costumes, puts on the Godzilla costume, and runs through the um, the layout for the Becker Estates and, and breaks it in the Godzilla costume, and they replay like Godzilla um there are all these great gags do you have one in particular that you love most it's, it's been 40 years john I, I barely remember what i had for breakfast yesterday but uh cutting the the, the car in half and using that for the boat motor i think is the one that really stood out to me and i just watched the uh, clip before we started recording of the kids making faces and getting slapped on the back and having their faces stay that way so uh, i always when i think of savage steve hall and I, I think of the animated little uh, segments that, that that kind of tie the movie together because of course all of his protagonists are are illustrators and that really kind of made the these movies stand out for me did you have a, a particular moment that you were especially fond of yeah i gotta say you're, you're spot on with the cartoons i myself grew up wanting to be a cartoonist and drew a lot of my cartoons in a very similar style to steve holland because he inspired me so much. I came up with my own characters, but they very much had that vibe and that tone of the, the lovelorn main character getting his heart stomped out. I didn't have cute and fuzzy bunnies. I had other other kinds of villains or whatever. But it was a very similar type of vibe to it, where there was this oafish dog main character I created, where he does an oafish um, rhinoceros in this one. I think it's some kind of monster or something in Better Off Dead is, is, is what the main character, like a Godzilla or something is what the main character is. Uh, um, and, and and then uh, even the stop motion animation in Better Off Dead with, with the hamburger playing Van Halen, um, 
stuff like that always inspired me as an artist and it's inspired me in general and my humor and stuff like that. Well, there's another movie we'll have to talk about sometime, but I'm going to try and rewatch that one before we talk about Better Off Dead. I did get a chance to watch uh, One Crazy Summer uh, before we recorded here tonight, but I'm definitely going to try and check it out this weekend because I remember loving it as a kid. Uh, it's a classic uh, underdog story, a great 80s film uh, with some great moments and a great soundtrack, including Born to be Wild by Steppenwolf. Uh, John, uh, we started this last time out. I'm going to ask you, instead of letting the folks know where they could find you or anything, maybe let's give the folks a, a movie recommendation. Have you seen anything good lately? Oh, the last movie I saw in theaters was Oppenheimer, and based on the numbers, most of these people have probably seen it already because it's now the fourth or fifth highest grossing R-rated film of all time. But I think the, the coolest fact about it is it is the highest grossing film to never hit number one at the box office. Um, if I had to recommend something else, I think I'm going to recommend a TV show right now. I'm watching um, Only Murders in the Building. It's on its third season. It is spectacular. It stars... Um, I'm blanking. No, Steve Martin, Martin Short, and, and um, what's the actress's name? Help me out here, Corey. Selena That's Gomez. So Selena Gomez. Thank you. And sorry, it's been a long day, folks, and it's it's past my bedtime. Um, but but yeah, and Selena Gomez, and this season has Paul Rudd and, and Meryl Streep added to the cast, and it is outstanding writing, great performances. And something that if you're not watching, you should watch. I second both those choices. I loved Oppenheimer, and I'm definitely uh, Only Murders is my favorite TV show on TV right now. Season three is not letting me down. It is fantastic. So check out both of those if you want to check out more uh, me. For some reason, I do a Van Halen show. I uh, called in the podcast will rock. I do an Aerosmith show called Backtracks Aerosmith Revisited. And I do uh, right now a Phil Collins era Genesis show, uh, the ultimate catalog clash. Go seek those out wherever you get your podcast. But until next time, on behalf of John Mariano, my name is Corey Morissette. Thank you very much for joining us. And let's leave you with a clip from One Crazy Summer. Good night. Let me tell you a story about a little fat boy that nobody loved and that all the other kids they used to make fun of him and they would pick on him and then and then and then they used to say that he talks funny and stuff and he had a, and he had a twin brother and everybody and, and, and everybody said that he didn't look anything like his twin brother but but he wanted to Hank, were you the little fat boy no, no, but, but I just like to beat him up. You know, I grab my go, why are you so fat? Why are you so fat? And I beat the shit out of him. <laughs>